I am wearing my please show up summer shirt. Please summer show up. I'm just hoping I just can attract the sun to come out and play. Let's walk through some of our announcements real quick. If you look at your handout, you'll see these announcements there. So if you, I'm going to run through it. If you want more information, go to the handout, go to our app. If you go to our app, you can get all the information on these events. But check these out. Number one, National Day of Prayer this Thursday. We have little opportunities all through the day from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. if you want to participate in the National Day of Prayer. Number two, kids games. Let's give a round of applause to kids games. Come on, kids games. If you don't know what it is, it is uh, over, it's an invasion of our 2,000 plus kids on this campus. And I want to thank you to all those of you who have volunteered in the past. I've done it a couple times. Took a week off and just hung out with kids. Incredible. Um, we could really use some volunteers. So if you want to volunteer and hang out with kids and make this a special place for kids to come build friendship, learn about Jesus, we could use your help. And uh, lastly, uh, to all the married couples in the house, give me a shout, married couples. All right, well, you guys, look, look, we want to help you along. We know it can get challenging at times. You need a little refreshment. This August, we're having a marriage getaway, and my wife and I will be doing the teaching. It's going to be a great, great retreat at, in La Quinta, so I want to invite you to come and join us. So you want to sign up for that right now because it's getting filled up. So go online and sign up. Oh, there we go. We're done with announcements. God is on the move. He's doing good things. Uh, secondly, I want to go into a little bit of a family business. Okay, family business. Well, it's been about a year that Nick and I started a conversation. Nick Gilmore, pastor of Community Impact. And uh, if you remember Nick, um, he's that really winsome, handsome, witty guy with the Australian accent who comes on up and <laughs> blows our minds. Oh, wait, hey, there he is. For the last year, uh, Nick and I have been having conversations where he's just been sharing with me just a growing sense of calling um, in his life that God's been putting on his heart. There's something that God's been stirring him toward. Um, and... Uh, I wanted him to share a little bit about what God's stirring in him. So, Nick, why don't you share with us? Thanks, mate. Well, the first thing is we're not leaving the church. So, for some of you, like, glad. For some of you, like, oh, you know, bummer. But, uh, you know, we love our spiritual home here. We're so blessed to be part of all that God is, is doing. And so, yeah, Rye and I and Bob and some others have been praying for a long time. What do you want us to do next, Lord? Uh, where are you taking us next? And, uh, and our prayer was that we'd be able to stay part of our spiritual home and stay in our physical home where we, where we live. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, and in fact, we're going to be working with a ministry locally. It's called Mission Increase. And uh, so the, the kind of purpose of Mission Increase, and in a second I would love for Ryan to pray a blessing over it because I feel like we're at the foothills of this big mountain range. It's a kind of a, a big thing to do, a big thing to take on. But the, the purpose uh, that they have is to help other ministries grow, help non-profit ministries grow. And so they come alongside them, provide them with biblical teaching and training and consulting uh, to do with finances, to do with other matters of governance. And, you know, some of the greatest ideas in the kingdom of God, they run out of runway, you know, and, and those folks who will take on hell with a squirt gun, they're my people, right? So I love coming alongside them, encouraging them, mentoring them. So that's what I'll be doing. We'll be throwing our weight into that. 
Um, so yeah, love your prayers on that. Love your encouragements on that. And uh, yeah, we're going to be part of things here. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that, I guess that's about it. I want to emphasize they are not leaving the church. Let's just thank God for that. <laughs> um, praise God. Uh, yes, when this conversation first came up, yeah, it took my breath away. I was like, oh no. But uh, we're, gonna, we're coming alongside actually what he's doing financially as a church because it's going to have immediate impact on the work that we're doing as a church, as a transformed people, transforming our community in North County. Uh, number two, you'll see these guys at church, and you'll see this guy up at the pulpit. I'm going to be drawing him up here. Hopefully, maybe if I'm lucky, even this summer, I can get this guy <laughs> up. Uh, so you'll see him around. Um, but let's pray a blessing. If you could just reach out a hand, and I'm going to pray a blessing over Nick. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for Nick. And I thank you for the work, the great work that he has done here in our church. Mm-hmm. And we just, Lord, we just now send him out. This is what the church does. We gather, and we are sent out. Mm-hmm. And we just bless you, Nick. May the Holy Spirit send you out with fresh life and energy and favor everywhere he sends you. May you be filled with our love for you, my love for you, your Father's love for you in heaven. May the Lord just provide everything you and your family needs and um, and this new ministry is going to need. We are blessed to be successful and fruitful, to grow radically. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it. You want me to do it? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do it. Okay. Oh, so for the last five years, Nick has been mentoring uh, Kelly Joseph Carlson or Carlson Joseph. Did I even get that backwards? Uh, Kelly Steele Carlson. Yeah, Steele Carlson. Gosh, yes. And uh, gosh, that was weird. My brain scrambled. Um, anyways, five years he's been mentoring her, just working alongside together, and she's going to be taking over the new position that uh, Nick just had. Yeah. So she's going to be filling in that, that spot, and she'll be working with our local partners, which is what they do, and partnering with our international global partners. And in fact, uh, it's already far exceeded me. From, yeah. from 2.0. Day two. 2.0, yeah. All right, my man. It's really Thank cool. you, friend. Yeah. Blessings, bro. Yeah. Thanks, friends. All right, everybody. There we go. That's the biz. That's the family biz. Okay, so we are in our series, The Spirit, and we are now week three into what it means to live life in the Holy Spirit. If you remember, the first message was about the Spirit is God and is personal and brings us into personal relationship with God. Then last week, Bob McKenzie. Come on. Bob McKenzie. Dude, how special was that? Probably the one time we'll get him out this year, I try to set up little traps to convince him to be here, but he's just got so much other stuff to do. But he had to come out and give a great teaching on being filled with the Spirit. All right, the idea that the Spirit doesn't just want to walk alongside us, but the Spirit comes and takes up residence within us. And all the different ways the Bible describes that, the Spirit comes upon us, the Spirit fills us, be baptized with the Spirit. The main point is that the Spirit comes into our life and begins to influence us with God's energizing presence from the inside out. Now that's great news. Well, this week, we're going to look at what happens when you let the Spirit in, all right? So the metaphor I've been using, it's kind of like, you know, you got a friend, you guys been dating, maybe hanging out, but that's all good. That is an influence of relationship from the outside in. But when they move in, you get married, they move in, they are living with you. They are influencing your life at a new level, right? They are influencing your life from the inside out. And pretty soon things begin to change. Well, that's the kind of closeness that God wants to have with you. What kind of change can we expect from the Spirit as we welcome him into our life? 
And to dive into that, I want to turn your attention to Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, to really begin to understand how the Holy Spirit works in our life. Titus 3, verse 5, says this. He saved us through the washing of re... Oh, no, no, actually, let me back up. Uh, okay, verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Now here it is. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Right there. These two words, um, rebirth and renewal. Can you just say them with me? Rebirth, renewal. These two words are very similar, but they're really distinct too. And they're words that the Bible uses to describe the radical transformation that the Spirit of God does in our life. And uh, deep within every one of us, there is just a longing for change and growth. All right, let me give you an example, a negative example. I remember when I was uh, like in high school, went to the doctors, and they did that whole thing where they project your, your, your height and how much you're going to grow. And the doctor was like, yeah, you're only going to grow this far based on your bones and blah, 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 you know, doctor science. And basically, you're done growing. And I was like, that's it, you're done. You're not going to get any taller. My dream had been to be 6'1". Doctor said, nope, you're done, 5'10 five, five, and a half. I go for 5'11, but, you know, I think technically 5'10 and a half. And that was it. And I was crestfallen. I was so sad. It took me like a whole, like, 10 minutes to get over it. I was just crushed for about 10 minutes, and then I moved on. No, but seriously, think about if someone came to you and said, you know what? You're done growing. You're done changing as a person. You will never learn anything new from this moment forward. Anytime you try to learn something new, it's just gonna like you're gonna forget it. Anytime you try to go out and have a new experience or develop a new relationship, the door is gonna close. You are done. This is as good as it gets. You're finished. How would you feel? I mean, it would be like, what? That'd be kind of sad, right? I think we'd be dejected because deep in every human being is the longing for growth, for change, for transformation. God has a passion and a vision and a dream of our transformation. And he wants to come into our life and transform us from the inside out. And what the scriptures teach is that we can get stuck trying to do this on our own without God. But today's message is about the way in which the Spirit comes into our life to renew us and transform us with his energizing presence. So let's talk about that. The Spirit transforms our life from the inside out through rebirth and renewal. These two terms help us understand how the Spirit works in us. And I wanted to start with the first, rebirth. Now, what's the first thing you think about when you think about birth? What comes to your mind, right? Just what, boom, what's in your head? All right, come on, let's go, let's see the baby. Yeah, there we go. Now, there is a brilliance in God's created design that human beings are so cute when they're babies. You know, it's just like, they just have this addictive chemical they emit, and they just draw you to them, and you want to squeeze them and kiss them, you know what I mean? Thank God real life is not like Mork and Mindy. Do you remember that old 70s show? You know, where in, on Mork's planet, he's an alien, and on his planet, you know, they're born as full-blown adults. Wouldn't that be weird? But thank God we're born cute and little and sweet, and you just can't resist. Now, when you think of a baby, and you look at this little baby back here, you know, what do, you, what do we love about babies? 
What is so precious about a baby? The freshness, right? You know, the, the constant learning, the always looking and taking everything in. The Bible uses this image of birth or rebirth to help us understand the first and most important way the Holy Spirit transforms us. And it comes from something Jesus said. Jesus himself used this metaphor, which is what Paul is building on. Now, listen to this. In John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus is meeting with a veteran, advanced in years, and expert religious leader. This guy knows it all. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be in on God's kingdom, you have got to be like, where's that baby? Like, you got to be like this little baby right here. You got to go back and be a baby, right? You've got to be reborn. And Nicodemus is like, what? What are you talking about? And he kind of gets confused, and Jesus elaborates. He says, okay, let me explain it to you. Right here, let's go to the verse now. Verse 6, Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born again. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Why does he use this metaphor of birth? And how does it explain our transformation in the Spirit? Well, first, um, I want to throw out an idea that's going to maybe be hard to swallow, but give me a chance to unpack it before you freak out. Number one, every human being, according to Scripture, is made in God's image. What that means is within every human being, there is invested in us a divine dignity that ultimately every one of us reflects God in who he is. And the Bible has been used throughout human history to help in some of the darkest moments in history, human beings recover the dignity of human beings, where he, the value of certain human beings has been diminished and lost because of their place in society, socially, because of their skin color, because of their gender, whatever the case is, if you study human history, because, oh, you're from that tribe, oh, you're from that team, oh, you, you're over there, and we lose sight of the dignity of every human being. And that's because the Bible teaches that every human being is made in God's image. However, not everyone is a child of God. Now, let me explain that. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Every human being is made in God's image, but not every human being is a child of God. And that's why he talks about rebirth. So rebirth, or born again, is a metaphor. And the first thing it speaks to is the idea that our life in God is a gift from God. When you were born, you didn't choose to be born, right? You had no choice in the matter. You were just there. And you're like, well, I didn't choose this, but here I am, right? And so when you look at a baby, they are just, have you ever just wondered at the fact that you exist? Have you ever stopped and contemplated a period in time when you did not exist, when you were not born, no one had ever met you, the world had never heard of you and never met you before, you did not exist. Isn't that a crazy thought? For some of us, it was more recent than others. The idea is that being born again, the idea of birth as a metaphor, it speaks to gift, life as a gift, and that speaks to the biblical teaching that our life in God is grace. Our relationship with God is not something we can earn or achieve. It's a gift. It's not something we can earn by our own efforts. It's something that God gives freely. We can create the conditions for it in both the physical and the spiritual sense. 
right? So we know that we can create conditions for a child to be born, but it's, there's still a mystery. I have friends who are doing IVF, and they'll tell you it, there's a mystery to it. Even as you get involved scientifically and medically, there is a mystery between uh, that we can't understand that brings forth this life into the world. We can create the conditions, but we don't create life. And that speaks really importantly to the rebirth. Let me explain. Every human being made in God's image, yeah, what, what, what was so funny? Did I miss something? Every child, every person is made in God's image means every one of us has the capacity to know God, to worship God, and to be in relationship with God. But we are not necessarily actively engaged in that relationship. Now, the Bible has this idea of sin being um, a spiritual disease that has left us incapacitated to having a relationship with God. So the Bible uses this imagery of being dead in sin. Every human being is born with oxygen in their lungs. Take a deep breath. All right, and then I'll release it. If you were to lose that oxygen from your body, you would? You would die. But the Bible uses this metaphor of birth to say, in the same way you need the breath of God in you to be alive in God. And so when you don't have the spirit of God in your life, you don't have God's eternal life. You are spiritually dead. It is not an insult or a put down that you're a bad person. It's a way of describing our condition in this world where we can't, connect with God. We struggle to believe in God. We struggle to have intimate connection and relationship with him. And then it cascades and ripples into all the things we see in the world that we see in the five o'clock news that make us feel like the world has gone off the rails from the small things to the big things. This is why the Bible calls sin like spiritual death, which is the need for being reborn. Every human being is made in God's image, hardwired in you to know God to hear his voice, to be in relationship with him, and to live out of the overflow of his life. Think of this. Think of like a a lamp right here, and you've got the light bulb, but if it isn't plugged in, it's not going to shine. You've got all the hardware. You've got the tungsten filament, or unless you're using LED, and you've got it all laid out, right? Perfectly, it's, it's designed to shine, hardwired to transmit that current of electrical energy. But unless it's plugged into this external source, our lives don't radiate with the life of God. Rebirth is a way of describing what happens when we accept Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. And we're freed from the power of sin to separate us from God. When we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, we, are, we receive the Holy Spirit. That is like taking the light and plugging it in and the energy and the life of God begins to flow into us and our lives begin to shine. Now, the Spirit in the New Testament and the Old goes by these Greek and Hebrew words. Check this out. This is fascinating. In the New Testament, it's the word pneuma. In the Old Testament, it's the word ruach. Can you say ruach? Yeah, because he's kind of guttural. Get it back there in the throat. Now, what's interesting about these Greek and Hebrew words is that they carry the same variance of meanings or diversity of meanings in both the Old and New Testaments, despite being two different languages. You can translate ruach and pneuma as spirit, or get this, breath, or wind. 
So when you're in Genesis, and it talks about God breathing the first breath of life into humanity, that word breath is ruach, spirit. Now this is why this is important. Because as a human being, you're walking around, you have the breath of oxygen in your lungs. Think about a baby being born. You know, sometimes they have to pat it on the back to get um, the amniotic fluid out, and the baby begins to take their first breath, right? First breath. Listen. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you get your first breath of eternal life. And what the Bible is saying is, is that when you have not received the Holy Spirit, you do not have the breath of God in you. You do not have God's eternal life in you because you have not been reconciled to God and restore your relationship with God as a son and as a daughter. We talked about that before where you're adopted into God's family as a son and daughter. That is the need for rebirth. And my friends, that is an instantaneous effect. When you accept Jesus as Savior and you're filled with the Spirit of God, you are instantly, instantly reborn. Think about conception, right? It happens. You know, the birth hasn't happened, but instantly, right, we get these two different cells coming together and boom, you have conception. Now, this happens right away in the Bible says this, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now that's saving. That is the rebirth. That is what theologians call regeneration, the first breath of eternal life in our, in our spiritual lungs. Okay, so the next part is even more exciting because when you receive the Spirit and you are then made a son and daughter of God and you take your first breath of eternal life, the promise even gets better. Now let's go to the next part, renewal. I love this part. I want to read, to help us understand re, uh, renewal, I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You can turn your Bibles to it. Listen to what Paul says about this. So rebirth, now renewal. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, now freedom, right there, freedom, there's a lot of different ways the New Testament understands that freedom. It is freedom from the, the, uh, the burden of trying to fulfill God's law to find acceptance with God. And it is freedom from that sinful nature that we were talking about. Freedom from sin. The resisting, the internal resisting forces that keep us from wanting to want what God wants, to do what God does, to enjoy what God enjoys and to love what he loves. Watch. Verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. I mean, I love this phrase, ever-increasing glory. Now, how about that for God's vision for your life? If you want to know what God wants to do with your life, if you let him have control, this is what he wants to do. He wants to get you on a path of ever-increasing increasing glory. Isn't that awesome? This is God's desire for you, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, do you notice the whole Trinity thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago? Can you see how it says here um, that now the Lord is the Spirit? Now, the title Lord is usually used of Jesus and the Father, but here it's also used of the Spirit, right? We talked about that, how they share roles, and there's, a, there's all this overlap, but here we see the Trinity. Now, the idea of renewal 
intersects with rebirth in this. Rebirth is the beginning. So where rebirth is being born, it's the beginning. Renewal is the ongoing process of being transformed in our entire life. Okay? Now, have you ever had a moment where you're like, you know, let's say you're a Christian, you're walking with Jesus. Have you had a moment where you're like, you, get, you just lose your temper. You get really upset and boom, you're dropping F-bombs. Some people are like, nope, never. All right, praise God for you, I'm glad. Have you had a moment where you're on the freeway and someone just cuts you off and the middle finger comes up and you're like, what am I doing? Have you had a moment when you lost your temper, when you got impatient? Have you ever had a moment with, where you felt the impulse to be generous and to share and you, nah, you kept it to yourself. You took that double dip, you know, for you. Have you ever had a moment where you wondered what happened to all that Jesus transformation stuff? Maybe my Jesus life is broken. Maybe somehow I got, I got 1.0 and I haven't upgraded yet to 2.0 where you're like, why am I not being transformed as a person where you see that old part of you come back that you hoped you'd never see? Have you ever felt that? That's because when you become a, a follower of Jesus, instantly you are made a child of God and you breathe your first breaths of eternal life. But God is not done transforming your life. That is an incremental ongoing process. Well, let's go to the picture of the baby. Let's go back to baby picture right here. Ah, okay. So, Look at this baby, and let me ask you a question. Is this baby fully human? If so, say yes. yes. Fully human. Can this baby talk yet? Can this baby drive a car? Can this baby pay its own bills? No, this baby cannot. This baby can't even change its own diapers, all right? But this baby, I assure you, is fully human. You can be, when you're born again, and you receive the Holy Spirit, you are fully God's son and daughter. And that is the security and the assurance of God's hold on your life through his unconditional love. But you are not yet a fully matured follower of Jesus. You are not who you will be in glory. You are on the path to now becoming. Now, let's go to the slides with the two bullet points. Um, yeah, you are being transformed. And you are being transformed on a trajectory of ever-increasing glory. And that speaks to the fact that you are becoming who God has saved you to be. And when you receive that spirit into your life, it is the guarantee that God is going to finish what he started in your life. And he's going to get you there. You are a follower of Jesus, but you are not fully mature yet. So I want to ask this question. So who are we becoming? Ever stop and wondered that about your life? I think when you think about our life and you think about how, hey, where's your life going? Where is your life going? Most of us probably think about it in terms of what we're going to do. Are you with me? Okay, where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? What, how will I do on that test tomorrow? Are you with me? Okay. We think about where we're going to live. We think about where we're going to get lunch after service when this guy wraps it up finally. Come on, we think about the things we're going to do, but do you, how often do we think about who we are becoming? Now, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers on the topic of transformation, says this. Let's go to the quote right here. Do we have that one? Yeah. The most important thing about a person is not what they do, but about who they become. And this is what God is concerned with. This is what renewal is about. I was at a memorial service recently, 
And uh, one of our staff actually had a tragic death, Mike Sanchez, amazing guy. He was on a facilities crew, and um, he was on his bike riding, and he got hit by a car. And he died suddenly. And I was um, helping with the service a week ago, him and his family. And there was a moment where I was sitting, and I saw his son and his daughters get up on the stage in the chapel and just sharing about her dad and about his life. And you know what they didn't? We know what strikes me about memorial services, what people don't talk about. They don't talk about their amazing career. People don't really generally talk about the achievements and the accomplishments. They don't talk about, you know, how many times, you know, they, so, you know, you won at Monopoly. They don't talk about how, you know, you got on the leaderboard on your favorite video game. No one talks about a lot of the things that we spend so much time and energy concerned with, the things that we feel that we need to be doing. People talk about generally who people are as a person and the difference that that person made in their life by who they are. They talked about how their dad had been in prison as a young man and how when he got out of prison, his life turned around and he gave his life to Jesus and about how he loved them as a father and what a great grandfather he was. That's what people talk about, who we are becoming and who we are and how that overflows into each other's lives. Now, when we surrender our life to the Holy Spirit, that renewal process is going to produce in us a, a who, not just a what. It's about who God is making us into. Not so that he can love us more, because he already loves us. He already loves us, and he's, he's already fully committed to us. But now that he's fully committed and his love is unconditional. He has created the environment in which we can be brutally honest with him and ourselves about the area of our lives that need to be changed. If you don't have the safety of that love, then you can't be honest about the areas of your life that need changing the most. Now watch what the Holy Spirit's gonna produce in our life. Let's go to Galatians 5. Check this out, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the, the Spirit produces, ready? Let's read it out loud. The fruit of love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay. Now, I want to invite you right now. How many people here feel like they're completely arrived and perfect in all these areas? And it would be impossible to grow any further. They are absolutely the most loving person they could ever be in their life. They have arrived. Right, see, you're here. You got here, and you know you're here, and you're, see, you're here, you're present. But maybe your mind is not here. Maybe some part of you here is not fully arrived. It's a little bit like that. You're a Christian, you're walking with God, or you, 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 but you're not there. You look inside, and there's all kinds of mixture of motives and drivers in your life, and you see, and when you look inside everybody else, they see a perfect who's got it all together. We just see a stunning, good-looking person. But inside, we look inside and go, oh, I'm not there yet. Uh, I wasn't that loving trying to get my kids into the car today to church. Uh, I wasn't very patient then. I want to invite you. This is where the Spirit is taking us. When you let the Spirit in, the Spirit begins to renew our lives so that we become like Jesus. And if you want to know, what is Jesus like? Am I going to walk around in a robe and have to start growing out my hair and God for, you know, grow out a beard and wear sandals? This is it right here. This is the Jesus life. And the Spirit is the energizing presence of God to produce 
these qualities from the inside out. Now, check this out. Not just so that you do the right thing. No, the Spirit fills us and gets inside so that we begin to change at the core of who we are. We begin to desire the things that God desires. We begin to have a strength of will to choose the things that God chooses and desires. And we begin to do the things that Jesus would do were he in our body, which he is. See, it's not just what we do that matters. It's more fundamental. The Spirit begins to change us at the level of our desires and our will so that we are free to do what we know we should do, what we want to do, and what's right and good and beautiful. So if you could grow in any one of these areas, what would it be? Okay, look at this list. All right. I want to just invite you right now. Pick one area. Just pick one. Pick one area. Don't, don't be an overachiever right now and go, I'm going to pick all of them, Ryan. I'm going to blow it all up. Yeah, we don't, no one needs that right now. Just pick one area. And I want to invite you to stick around in this series, if you're new to us today, for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about how the Spirit transforms us over the next three weeks, this week and two more weeks. And I want to invite you to pick one of these areas or something that one of these words inspires and I want you to start bringing this to God on a regular basis. God, Spirit, produce love, more love in my life. And just pray that simple prayer. Holy Spirit, produce more patience in my life. And make, bring a focus to one area that you're going to begin to allow the Spirit. And I'll, you can do what one of my friends did this morning. My, my, my buddy asked one of his kids, which is super crazy. He goes, hey, if Daddy could grow in one area, what would it be? So if you're really bold and you want to get really crazy, I want to invite you to invite someone near to you, your spouse, your friend, a roommate, um, someone who really knows you. You say, hey, if you, what do you think I need the most? And see what they say. Pick one. And over the next few weeks, just begin to pray. And bring that into this next part that I'm going to lead us into, okay? So where do we go from here? What do we do with this? Now that we've got this, let's say you've picked peace. You've picked peace. Now what are you going to do with it? Now, I want to go into this next topic, and I want to read this verse to you, but I wanted to talk about something really quick. The temptation in this moment is now I'm going to tackle that, Ryan. I'm going to, in three weeks, I'm going to be the most peaceful person on earth. So I'm not going to let anybody mess up my peace. I'm going to be walking around. Oh, don't talk to me. I'm having my peace. Oh, don't text me. I'm having my peace. Hey, son, leave me alone. I am getting my peace on right now. Hmm. You know? And we can go out of here, all joking aside, and pursue this life of transformation the same way we've been doing every other area of our life, and that is without God, by our strength of will and effort. Now, our will and effort has an indispensable place in it. And we're going to get to that. Your will matters and your effort matters. And that God gave them to us for a reason. However, we have to start right here and understand that this is a grace received by God. Let me just break this down. Number one, if you don't understand God's role in your transformation, then you're going to get stuck in the trap of the religion of self-effort. And you're going to become really arrogant about how awesome you are, because look at me, Ryan, I have conquered. I am the most peaceful person in the world. Um, I just uh, live by myself as a hermit, and no one can mess me up. 
You're going to find a way to do it on your own, and you're going to become either burned out and frustrated. Ever done that? Try to set out with a resolve, a New Year's resolution, just to find yourself not hitting the mark and gotten discouraged. Maybe there's an addiction in your life you want to break free from, and you set out without God, you are more likely to get discouraged and give up. The other side of it is, if we don't understand our role, then we become passive. And we just think, if I just show up at church, it's just going to magically happen. The lights are just going to somehow just grow me spiritually. You know, it'll happen osmotically. So what do we do with whatever we pick? So you got your one? Did you write it down? Did I ask you? Go ahead and write it down. Did you write it down? You got your one? Someone this morning said, I picked three. I'm like, no, 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 no. Come on. All right, here we go. So what do we do with it? How do we get in on the Spirit transforming us with this area of our life? Here we go. You ready? This is what we got to do. Brace yourself. It's going to get very intense, very busy here. Matthew 11, 28, 30. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the, let's read this together, unforced rhythms of grace. There it is. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the NIV's version of um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, you know what's interesting about this passage is it helps us understand that the way the Spirit begins to transform us is by leading us into Jesus' rest. Amen. Renewal begins with rest. It sounds kind of obvious, doesn't it? If you want to be renewed, don't you go, want to get away on a vacation? Go rest, right? You don't just pile on more work, but for some reason, especially Christians, as soon as we see, oh yeah, God, I want you to renew my life, we think of all the ways we need to get busier, all the things now we need to start doing, and we can find ourselves as Christians the most exhausted, hurried, anxious, frustrated, flustered, uptight, irritated people on earth, and God doesn't need that from us. Here, we can sometimes find ourselves getting ahead of God. God, you're 2,000 years old, Jesus. You're kind of losing a step. You can't keep up. Ever gone on a walk with somebody who can't keep up with you? Come on now. Maybe it's your spouse. You're like, man, come on. Keep up. And you're just charging because you you're counting your steps. You know, you got to get your heart rate up. And that person is just holding you back. They are slowing you down. Here's the point. The Holy Spirit brings us into rhythm with Jesus' life. There's a rhythm, there's a cadence, there's a beat, there is a pulse, there is a flow to the life of God. And the greatest threat to our transformation in Christ is our pace of life. I'm going to say that again. And I know it's going to be a hard sell, but I'm hoping by the next three weeks I get you there. That the biggest threat to our life is not what's happening in culture or politics. It's not those things, although I'm aware of those things. Don't worry, I see the crises in our culture. I'm not ignorant of them. But they are not the biggest threat of our life. The biggest threat to our spiritual life is our pace of life. We are in such a hurry because of what we see happening 
what we want to see because we're ambitious, we're fearful, we're anxious, we're busy, and we outpace God and we get ahead of God. Don't you remember when Jesus was healing or, uh, that woman who had been bleeding? Do you remember that in Mark? Hey, Mark, people, do you remember that moment, that woman who had been bleeding for 12 years? He's like talking to her, healing her. Meanwhile, Jairus' daughter is dying. And everyone's like, Jesus, we got to get going. You never see Jesus in a rush. I think we outpace God, and we get ahead of him. And listen to this great statement about pace. And then I want to just help you reflect, where, what would it look like over the next two weeks to take a step towards rest, increasing room in your life for rest and margin as the first step into God's transforming work in this season of your life? What if the first and most important step you take to allowing God to break through in some area of your life is to enter into a posture of rest and to align your life with his rhythm and pace? Listen to this. Uh, Michael Zigarelli um, was doing this research and uh, was studying, well, 20,000 Christians across the globe and was doing research on the challenges to growth in the spiritual life. Now listen to this. What they found after all this research globally was that busyness as a major distraction from the spiritual life. Listen to what he wrote, wrote right here. Number one, it may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable, here it is, to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins again. Some of us are so very, we're concerned about what's happening in culture, and we should, but it's the pace and the busyness of our life that makes us more vulnerable to assimilating and falling victim to the prevailing mindsets of the world. Because as we step out to walk into Jesus' transformation, we can find ourselves doing it not in the spirit of Christ, but doing it in our own anxious spirit, our own self-effort without God. And so rest opens us to, receive, to recognize and receive the Holy Spirit's leadership. Next week, we're going to talk about how when you are creating margin in your life, you can hear the voice of God so that it's not your over-ambitious, anxious inner voice, but the voice of God who's guiding you in your life. So next week, we're going to talk about hearing the voice of the Spirit, and then the next week after that, we're going to talk about how then we can get into the deep transformation, which is the renewing of the mind. But I think if we don't learn how to slow down and create margin, we're going to go out there and do it like we do everything else, as overachievers, and do it in our own strength. So here we go. Ready? I want to invite the band to come on out, and as they come out, I want to invite you to consider where in your schedule in the next two weeks you can create room for more rest. This is your homework. Rest. Are you hangry and irritable? Maybe you just need a sandwich and you need a nap. Okay? And I'll tell you, that would do a lot to solve a lot of conflict going on in a lot of relationships right now. If people just got a little more rest. So number one, room for prayer. 
I've been challenging people to consider 15 minutes a day just sitting quiet. I would encourage you to take the first five minutes to practice deep breathing. Just taking a deep breath, count to five, and then release it on a count of five. Slowing your pace down. Deep breathing is so important to recalibrating your heart rate and the pace of your mind. Think about this. The Holy Spirit is literally the pneuma, the breath in your life. So take a moment, five minutes in that 15, and practice deep breathing. And just breathe in. Just say to yourself, for five seconds, breathe in and just say, Holy Spirit, I breathe you in. And I release whatever needs to be released. I release anxious thoughts. I release whatever. It's just tuning your thoughts to be aware of the presence of God with you. So 15 minutes a day. If you're already doing that on a daily basis, what if you went to twice a day? Uh Uh-oh, twice a day. I know it's a little crazy. Number two, I want to challenge you to consider a Sabbath. If you don't know what a Sabbath is, it's a day of rest. I want to encourage you to consider, talk to your roommate, your friend, your spouse. What would it look like if we took a Sabbath, a half day, no work, turned off our devices, and just focus on enjoying God, enjoying creation, enjoying our bodies? I go out and surf, go for a walk, enjoy the creation that God has put you in. Enjoy what God has given to you. Maybe it's like going, you know, and having some really good food, food you would not normally eat. I don't eat carbs during the week, but on my Sabbath, I eat donuts, I eat French toast, and uh, whatever else I feel like. It's a day to enjoy and feast. Okay, so that's like Sabbath rest. Um, It could be taking a pause and taking a deep, five minutes of deep breathing. It could be just taking a moment in the day to pause and go out and just worship, put on a worship song. And then lastly, margin. Prayer, pause, margin. Margin. Here we go. Margin. Dinner with the family. More than, more weeks than you don't. How about this? Margin. Exercise. Recreation. Recreation. Come on. Get out and get some recreation. Go go, go out and just enjoy what God is doing around you and just enjoy that. Number, lastly, maybe it's a full night's sleep. Oh, yeah, I think I hit that one. Yeah, you need a full night's sleep. Where is God inviting you to enter into his rest? And I want to encourage you over the next two weeks to establish rhythms and patterns of rest in your day, in your week. And let's just come back to that in a couple weeks. the room take a breath when he said that so I just want to have us do that again before we go into this song just take a deep breath in and breathe out just inviting the Holy Spirit to come and fill you up breathe out the worries and cares Thank you.
the Gospels when uh, Jesus with his disciples and he says to them come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest that's the invitation from the Holy Spirit to us today to you to come into the rest of God because when we enter God's rest we cease from our work we cease from our striving we're recalibrated to the rhythm of God's grace. It positions us to be more to able to recognize God's flow in our life. So we're not trying to force it. We're, we're in the flow with God. And to receive his energizing voice and power in us. Think of Fred Flintstone. Versus, you know, foot power versus horsepower, hitting the gas pedal. Holy Spirit wants to invite you into the horsepower of his kingdom life. But we gotta get into this posture of being able to rest, which is why God is so serious about come with me and rest. And consider the Sabbath, consider places of prayer, consider places to pause in your day where you slow the pace of your mind and your body so that we can receive from God and stop getting out ahead of him but come back and walk with him alright well, so I bless you in Jesus' name in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit to go out and to enter his rest this week get a good nap today perhaps yeah. mm. have a good day I'll see you outside with the live clouds.